0: Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business Podcast.
1: Makes me that much stronger. Makes me
2: work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. For me <laughs> All, All right, we're live.
3: Awesome. We're live. Welcome to Fight Club for Business, everyone. The show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts joined this week by our guest, Danny Kerr. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you so much for being with us today. Can you just give your give our listeners a brief introduction of yourself and your business?
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, uh, I'm in Canada, so I will probably say some a. foreign words. Hey, like a. poutine and tuk. You guys know what a tuk is? I don't even no. know. <laughs> no. <laughs> look, I'll leave it a mystery. Can um, other than that, I, grew up, I would say running business since I was 18 years old. So that's when I first started my first uh, painting company and uh, did that all the way through to my 20s or mid, mid to late 20s and uh, ended up kind of running and managing, uh, overseeing a franchise organization. So I spent quite a bit of time not only in the trade, but actually building out franchises uh, to grow in called college pro Painters. For those have heard of that before and um, yeah so at one point i had about 150 franchises under my command and about a, a thousand painters and i learned a lot from that and uh leaving that i definitely saw the opportunity in the systems that were driven by these franchises and i thought how do we create a way to develop other companies that aren't franchised with these types of systems and give them the chance to kind of tap into that so uh in 2015 We created something called Breakthrough Academy, which is essentially a learning organization built around helping home service and contracting companies build out their businesses and scale. And we're not a franchise, but we help them build systems and and support them as if they were one of our franchisees. So all the how-to documents and templates and resources and strategies are all built in. Um, They're established a coach. And then there's 400 and Eight now, I think 413 active companies with us. And so they all know each other and we all share resources and we meet every two weeks and hold each other accountable. And yeah, it's become kind of like a franchise system without the franchise. And that is what I do.
3: That's awesome.
1: Well, thank you so, so much. So cool. And we met Danny, Fight Club met Danny, uh, I think originally in Orlando, earlier this year. It feels like forever mm-hmm. ago. I feel like we go way back. Um, yeah, so cool. And did you hear, Tay, that we're that Fight Club's going to be in San Diego this year for the Quality Driven Conference?
3: I know. I'm so excited. This is my first ever quality driven um, software conference. And I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. But like, I'm excited and nervous. And like, I just can't wait to be there. It's going to be so fun. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, you are gonna absolutely love this conference. Maybe we can even get Danny to come down across the border. we'll like sneak him in our suitcase or something. Uh, this conference is so amazing because it's small. Like it's a really intimate conference and you won't get overwhelmed. Like you're guaranteed to meet people and make friends and learn epic systems that can implement in your business. And it's always at this like really resort like hotel. The organizer, she's a badass when it comes to event organization and like building out the experience and building out like all of this fun for the attendees. Um, and it's in San Diego. I freaking love San Diego. Plus, the speakers are awesome. If I do say so myself, they're pretty, pretty <laughs> epic. I've stalked and made many, many awesome business friends at the quality driven conference in the past. So I'm so excited because Fight Club's going to be there. Yay. And yay! We're so excited. And if you're a listener and you're interested in joining Fight Club in San Diego, sunny San Diego, in the month of February 2022, uh, you can visit the Quality Driven Software website and go to the Events tab and register. You bet.
3: Awesome. Hopefully we see you guys there. Well, um, we'll kind of keep going. with Some introductions. My name, um, Danny, we met each other, which is great. My name is Taylor Maroney. I actually co-own a power washing company called Pure Power Washing in South Florida with my husband. I've worked in marketing for about six years and in that working I found my passion for business owners to really help them understand the analytics behind the marketing and how they can make better decisions with that. So I loved hearing you talk about franchises and being able to take what you've learned from that and implement it into helping business owners understand their numbers as well from marketing. So excited to talk to you today and welcome to Fight Club. Awesome.
1: Awesome. And my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also have a full-service accounting firm called Likes Accounting Company where you can outsource all those nasty bookkeeping-related tasks, compliance-related tasks to me and my team. And I co-own a window-cleaning gutter-cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, in Northern California. Jeff likes the windows and gutters. And I love my company so much more since I started working with Danny and Breakthrough Academy. I mean, they have really revolutionized our business over the past almost a year now happy friend anniversary it's almost been a year it's almost, uh, year. It's almost <laughs> been a year that we've been in the program uh husband just celebrated seven weeks outside of the business completely Yay. and that was on our three-year goal so over achievers bta for helping us crush it like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome
0: That is so cool.
2: okay nope. and there's no michelle today we're gonna fill in for michelle but i'm martha woodward and i own a maid service that's in a neighboring state about 100 miles from me then i co-founder of quality driven software which is all about employee performance and is part of culture first which is a monthly membership where we just work on building happier workplaces so that you can retain those best employees so Welcome to Fight Club everyone and
3: thank you Danny for joining us.
0: Thanks me. Yeah.
3: All right, Tay. Well, Danny, I'm telling you first, and we're going to talk marketing. So, I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain on the marketing aspect of coming from where you started with your franchises and taking what you've learned from there and then applying that to the business owners you work with now because there's really a different approach, somewhat, to how you go about franchising, but that can still be applied to how business owners operate with their marketing as a small business owner. So, what was kind of your first steps in transitioning the franchise model into a developing a system to help business owners with their marketing?
0: It's interesting, right? So, like, you what what would be different is in a franchise system, you already know your ideal customer, you already know your you know your your basic you know message messaging that would attract that ideal customer and then you have to just basically utilize the tactics that have been predisposed to you and pick which ones you're going to go for so you do have to kind of take a bit more of a step back before you get into the tactics and help each person understand their ideal client what their you know messaging is going to be and then we can look at the tactics from there Right. So one of the first steps we would do is is we would build out a marketing plan based on who's the ideal client, the psychographics, the demographics, you know, where they hang out nine to five, five to nine, Monday to Friday, you know, Saturday, Sunday. And when you understand that, be able to utilize those those ideals to be able to think through what the messaging actually should be. Right. So what is the heart driven or, or internal messaging of what somebody thinks about every single day, but rarely says that you can say in your ads or in your messaging that would attract them. So I always I teach it, it's kind of like fishing strategy, right? It's like, first let's figure out what are the traits of the fish that we're trying to attract. And based mm-hmm. on those traits, where in the pond would that fish hang out the most? And then from there, what is our lure? What is our actual messaging that we're going to be utilizing? And finally, how are we casting this thing out? Are we using a single line? Are we using a net? Like, what are all the things that we're going to go do to bring our fish in, right? So, yeah, we would take a bit more of a step back. And then once we get into the tactics side, it does get, I would say, fairly franchise-esque with the sense of we have been partners that they can choose from to basically pick, you know, who's going to be doing my signs and my flyer, and my vehicle wrap, and my SEO and my, you know, my, fa- my face pads. And, Then we start to establish a, you know, what we call lead source distribution chart. So we can start to see what last year's leads estimates, dollars booked and dollars spent was, and we can see the ROI was per dollar. And then we start to match that against this year's plan. So for picking tactics, we'll pick them out. We'll give them either a, a quarter or a year long run to see how they performed. And then we can start to mix and match based on what we're seeing the ROI come through to be. So
3: yeah. That's fantastic. So it's a couple of things as Danny did mention, which is something I am really passionate about, is not only are you finding your customer avatar, you're finding their why, you're finding where they live and how to then cast that net. You're also not expecting, or you're, excuse me, you're setting the expectation that it's not going to happen overnight, right? Marketing is something that a lot of business owners think, I'm going to put money into Google ads or I'm going to put money into wherever I want to, cast this net and cast this line from and it's going to happen overnight i'm going to get these leads this is how it's going to go and unfortunately depending on what type of avenue you're choosing to go down and you know produce marketing from for your business everyone has a different type of timeline and being able to have that set expectation from the get-go and have the the backing of your avatar what their why is how to be able to contact them and what's the best messaging for that. Why you're now setting yourself up for more success as a business owner, instead of just throwing money out and saying, here we go, let's hope this works.
0: Totally. Yeah. I know. I love it. I even did it early on. I remember I got, I got uh, hit up by a marketer who was just like, you know, we'll get you in front of every customer in your city. Right. And I was like, that sounds pretty good, right? So there was, it was the, one of those uh, ValPak things where they have like a hundred other businesses with all these yeah. little receipts of deals. Anyway, we spent I think seven or eight grand on it because it just sounded like a good exposure tactic and we got goose egg results and I had no campaign to follow up or any idea how that fit the bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve. And it wasn't to my dark target client, it was to everybody in the city and yeah. it was just a big old waste of time. It was probably the biggest waste of money I've ever spent in marketing, so. <laughs>
3: It's kind of funny. We have to go through those steps to learn from our mistakes. And as business owners, I think we can all say that we've made those mistakes ourselves here on the show. And now do you, when you, you just brought brought up briefly, follow-up process, that was something you didn't do. And that I believe is very essential in marketing as well. Do you have your um, clients be able to have that follow-up system in place prior to launching those marketing programs?
0: Yeah, and, and it sometimes can get into a bit of a sales process as well so we really help them understand like what is an mql a marketing qualified lead and what is an sql a sales qualified lead right so if you have that distinction you can say you know customers who go to our website and you know fill out an inquiry form and you know maybe fill out an online estimate thing that is an sql that is somebody worth calling and following up with physically and putting physical effort into customers who whatever opt in to our email list or or show in- interest on our website and get a cookie attached to them. You know, that is our MUL list. We should not be calling them because it's an overextended amount of effort for a low return. And we might even end up damaging our brand a little bit because they didn't ask to be contacted. The expectations not quite there. So you want to establish almost like the rules of the game of like, what am I going to go after? And what am I going to nurture? And once you understand those two categories, you can say, okay, well, based on people that are wanting to be nurtured or can be nurtured, what does that look like? Is it a newsletter? Is it a, you know, just a cookie that follows them around with a little ad on Facebook? Because now we know where they are. You know, what is that nurture process? And then customers who inquire, what is our actual follow-up process? Because if we don't have that established, we can wait three to five to seven days to call them back properly, and now they've already got somebody else
3: absolutely and those touches are super important and navigating which touch is the way to go based upon the sales versus marketing is very important cuz you don't want to waste your in office um admin staff or sales team and touching clients that aren't like you said aren't expecting that phone call to come right now they're just expecting to get a little bit more information find out more about the company so yeah I- and- Go ahead.
0: I would say say too, one thing we have found, um, when we first launch a marketing campaign, we actually might call people for the simple sake of understanding why they're inquiring with us and it's kind of starting to get into the MQL side of like, what is actually like, what's their mindset here? What are they thinking? And then we can report back. But very often within a month or two, that campaign is giving us so many MQLs that if we were to continue to call them, we burn out our caller. So even actually internally in my business this last month, we got to this point now where, you know, September is here summer lull is kind of over for contractors in a sense of like, they're so busy. They never usually talk to us. <laughs> so We're getting into the fall now and I'm having to shift what we're actually doing. We just, you know, our, our caller went from having 1,500 leads to call down to 500 and we had to basically like get rid of a thousand people um, over just like looking at who is actually kind of the, the cream of the crop and who is, you know, basically just going to get in the, almost like clog up our sales funnel. So,
3: Absolutely. And having that organization is key. And since we did talk a little bit about sales and money, it's a perfect segue for Megan. So I'll kind of go ahead and pass you off to Megan for some finances. Thank you so much, Danny.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Oh, so fun. So I feel like I just have to tell a little bit of backstory of why I stopped Danny or how I became friends with Danny. And that was because, and Martha's like, yeah, she's such a stalker. Uh, I have bad habit of doing this. Uh, so when i first heard you danny you were on tommy Mello's podcast the home Mm -hmm. service expert fantastic podcast you've been on a couple of times and when you started talking about what you how you systematize a business how you go into a business there was something very different and very attractive to me when I was hearing you speak. And to me, and I get it. I'm super biased. I'm an accountant. I'm a numbers nerd. I'm a data nerd. I'm not like the classic entrepreneur in that I love money a lot. Um, But you talked a lot about money and you talked about it early and often. And so I said early on in the show that my husband and I are very happy Breakthrough Academy members. And the reason why we chose Breakthrough Academy, because there are lots of awesome coaching programs out there was, you are very number centric. You are very money oriented, and I I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that you are very thoughtful in how you designed the Curriculum of Breakthrough Academy. That's one of the things that we love. Is as students we just come and we consume information and we execute and we implement, and then before we know it, ten months in, my husband is literally calling Martha and being like, "So I haven't been to work in seven weeks, and I don't think I have to go back. And what should I do? You know, like it, it, that's just basically how it happened. And you started with money, which is how you got my money right so can you talk to me a little bit about that process like without scaring our listeners who are Mm. not like me like why why did why is why is week one why is phase one why do you start with the money
0: so I think for a lot of entrepreneurs we start a business because we have a passion and we have an idea and we're driven to make money but we do it from our heart right we do it from like what feels right right and I think in the beginning that actually kind of works. It's almost better to do that. Cause if you start to look at the numbers and what you're paying yourself per hour, it's not, its just, don't look at, it's not a good number and it's fine, but it's just not time to look at that number quite yet. And so you can really grind for a while without knowing your numbers. I would say, you know, one to two years in business, like just go, just get out there, stop putting your head into an Excel file and trying to analyze the most efficient way to do things. Cause you don't know until you've gone out there and tried it. Now, what happens is you get a year or two in and you start to manage more than 50, $60,000 in revenue. And you start, only have a hundred, 200, you know, a million dollars worth of revenue coming in. And if you don't understand numbers, you're essentially running blind because the variables will start to transcend your daily ability to monitor, right? Your gut can't be the gut for all the things happening anymore because you're becoming less and less aware of those details. And what I've always said in business is like, you know, I am all about using my heart, my heart and my head, To make good decisions and if it's all about my heart aka like my gut and my my intuition i can often miss on some massive part of the equation and if it's all about numbers and just about what the excel sheet says i can miss on the human element and really trying to marry those two in together can really help somebody make a much more i would say just like accurate decision right and as we grow our companies we realize more and more the decisions we're making are the things that are becoming us Right, We're not a product of what is happening to us in these organizations. We are a product of the decision making we're making as we go through. And I just, I can't even imagine what it's like to run a business over a million dollars and not be able to know what your gross profit, what your net margin is, what your overhead, what your variable expenses are, like all these things that people sometimes look at and they're just like, oh, QuickBooks, the account needs at the end of the year.
1: Were you just speaking Canadian? Because <laughs> I feel like most of our <laughs> listeners, all the words you just said, they don't know what those words are, right? Like, they don't care. They're doing right. over a million. They don't care. And so I think the thing that was interesting to me is I am married to that guy. Jeff likes, hates yeah. money. He hates numbers. I remember his goal, like, even 10 years in a business was like, he's like, I just like to make $100,000. I was like, honey, you made that in year two. Like, mm. let's, let's, let's move up. And he didn't know, right? He just didn't know he was flying by and he loved cleaning windows. And I think a lot of your members maybe come to you that way. Like every says, you got to know your numbers. Tay and I were constantly yelling, got to know your numbers. Uh, and and people are like, yeah, I know. But how do I, why, how do I start? So what I loved about BTA was not only did you know the importance of it, but you kind of like Mary Poppins snuck it in like a spoonful of sugar, right? You, you sold this like sexy idea of like, if you want to grow a $5 million business or a $10 million business, or if you want to take half the year off to spend time with your family. Come and we'll show mm-hmm. you and we'll help you. And then once they came, because they were like, yeah, Danny, I want to run a franchise without being a franchise. You were like, OK, so let's talk about numbers. And, and <laughs> I, I, just, I love how you guys sneak it in. And for Jeff, you not only did you sneak it in? It totally felt like Canadian speak. Like, I don't mean that's mm-hmm. an ignorant American, but it did because you guys had a vocabulary sheet and you defined what is gross profit. But more importantly, like, why should we care? What what does it do to our pocketbook on a daily basis? Um, so you've mentioned a couple of times and I'm not trying to alienate our listeners because I feel like so passionately, this is important. And I love how Danny like hacked a system to make Jeff not have his eyes glazed over while looking at a spreadsheet. So we have to talk about the spreadsheet because I feel sure. like it's maybe part of the secret weapon to BTA. There is yep. this like epic monster giant huge spreadsheet that BTA has and I don't want to show it like I kind of think it's more fun as like this mythical creature this like you know unknown thing that is the spreadsheet but Jeff my husband literally never had opened an excel file in 13 years in business never and now he's in his BTA file every two weeks his it's called my business plan my his MVP file every two weeks so talk to us a little bit about the power of the spreadsheet and what's on it because I think to me the most valuable thing is We all talk about KPIs. Usually that used to like the first year of Fight Club. That's what I asked every guest. What's your favorite KPIs? What metrics should we be tracking our business? Well, BTA created a KPI dashboard and they broke it down into like eight different sections. That's super relevant. Um, So I'm going to stop talking and let you talk about your Epic spreadsheet. But please talk about it from that perspective, right? This idea of like giving us a scorecard, showing us how to keep score, and then having a coach that holds us accountable to actually keep score for ourselves.
0: Totally. Yeah, we've gamified it, right, is essentially why we've made it fun, because it's become a game where you set a strategic plan, you set a number for the end of the year and something you want to get achieve, and then we have a way to backtrack it by week. So we can actually see each week, are you ahead, are you behind, by how much, and why, right? And we do that for sales, production, and financials, and then we marry those in to be on one dashboard so you can actually see all of your metrics from all different departments at once, and what it starts to do is it gives you unique in, like insight into things. Like one thing I'm a big believer in is I talk to people who say, you know, we have more work coming in than we can handle, our profitability is a little lower than we want it to be and we're trying to figure out what to do and immediately I'm looking at your closing ratio and it's at 75% and I'm like, why are you bringing in 75% of the jobs? They're like, well, they're just we people love us and I'm like, okay, then increase your rates by 5%. And guess what will happen? You might drop down to seventy percent or sixty-five percent closing ratio, and then your bottom line should hypothetically go up by five percent because you haven't added any costs to that, right? So sometimes what's going on in sales impacts what's happening in your in your in your financials. What's happening in production impacts what's happening in sales. And there's we teach how to analyze from more of a three D view, and then we gamify it, and we create some fun around it so
1: you've absolutely gamified it and i think you guys are really good about tying it back to our pocketbook tying it back to our wallet tying it back to why should we care on a daily basis because i will tell you jeff's never thrilled about opening S M P P file and he's never thrilled about updating it but he is thrilled about when ashley looks at it and she tells him all of this like magical information that she's (laughs) able to see and he's like how did she know that Uh, i have to tell you guys bragging briefly on our coach her name's ashley she ran a badass window cleaning company that she sold and i swear she's so young and jeff and i was like how has she done so much and she's so young uh she's amazing um okay well that's the spreadsheet we talked a little bit about kpis i talked about the vocabulary i talked about how you're sneaking it in um let's just wrap it up with um the budget Because budgets aren't sexy. Nobody Mm. likes doing a budget. And the BTA budget workshop, I've given many budget workshops over the course of my career over 15 years. This BTA budget workshop is so fun. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you guys have, I mean, you put a lot of thought into it, a lot of resources into it. Like you have built a really powerful system in teaching curriculum and building curriculum. So can you talk a little bit about that budget workshop?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, the first biggest thing is we start with net profit, right? So how much money do you actually want to make? And I think that's a much more ingredient conversation than what should your revenue be this year? What should your costs be? What are the percentages of each? It's, it's what do you want to make? What, what does that mean to you? You know, if you if you want to go from making 100 grand a year to 200 grand a year, like what does that actually do for you in your life? And it's pretty significant, right? And when you realize it's not a pipe dream anymore and we can actually build a very logical plan to get there, it's very empowering, right? Like when I look at our members, one of the biggest things I notice is because of the data they're more aware of and because the fact that they built the plan, like it wasn't some smarter person than them being like, here's how you get your numbers. They're like, no, like I put in the fact that I'm going to spend $50,000 more on a project manager, but to double our revenue. And I can see how many leads we need to do that and estimates. And I actually think that that can be done if I just had more time. It's their buy-in and they suddenly, it's like, you unlock a key in their brain where they're just like, I get it. Like I have confidence now to do this versus I was always afraid of what that $50,000 cost would be. I physically can see it. It's not that big of a deal. Mm. I just had unknown unknown fear, right? Fear of the unknown. So I think that's what makes it pretty engaging is a, we start with net profit. You can start to actually see like, this is real. Like I literally could make an extra hundred thousand dollars next year. If I make these four moves, and these four moves, comparatively to what the numbers look like, are pretty pretty easy, actually. There's not a ton of risk to it. And so, you know, there's, there's. I always say in business, like, there's there's blind risk and then there's educated risk. There will always be risk. But when you go down the educated risk path, you put the odds in your favor, right? It's like, what t- what side of the roulette table do you want to be on? And we get much more on the side of, you know, the casino. In fact, our odds are quite skewed so we do very well it. as a result
1: <laughs> i love it and i will say that from our perspective as members the other thing that i found really unique about your budget workshop is it was very uh saying on pause <laughs> find my words second cup of coffee uh, it was very word heavy so when people think of budgets they usually think right. about numbers right? Think right about math they think about like multiplying and subtracting and like extrapolating. And it's very scary because there's a lot of math involved in a budget. And that's why it's not sexy. And the BTA budget process is actually very words heavy. Um, our coach was Brad and Brad really was kind of a stickler. He would not allow any number to be on our budget without words behind it. so every number on our budget had an explanation every number on our budget had a story to tell every number on our budget had a reason and we were physically typing out and he we had two or three meetings. he would reject our budget nope denied declined rejected and the beautiful thing is is going into our second year that budget is way easier because we can remember all the assumptions we made right and jeff Jeff, somebody whose eyes literally glaze over over spreadsheets and hates numbers, is like these aren't numbers anymore. This is this is a story. Like this is this is the future story. Choosing my own ending of my business, and I I think that's such a unique and amazing thing that you guys have done. So, thank you for talking to me about money. Sure. I'm gonna switch hats briefly and ask Michelle's burning question related to systems. Um, So I'm now Michelle Myers, she's busy in a workshop in Nashville right now, um, having a blast with some of our friends. So Michelle wants to know when BTA is coaching members, what is the system that they like to start with? Like, you know, there's, there's a whole progression of the things that we have to fix in a business. And I'm sure like, if you're like us, when we joined BTA and we got so overwhelmed the first six months, six weeks, and we're like, oh my God, where do we start? This is never going to end. So um, where do you start?
0: Well, we just talked about the numbers piece, but I mean, yeah, step one is to understand what the goal actually is, right? So what do you want to do in revenue? What are your margins? How much do you want to make? Okay, cool. How many leads is that requiring? How many estimates, how many dollars? Okay. How many you know labor hours need to be allocated? How much, you know, invoices per week, like get to know the numbers and break them down to weekly goals. Once you have those numbers, A, it does a lot of what you and I were just talking about, it gives the owners some control and makes them excited to see a path to get there. But it does something much more powerful. It enables you to start to bring those numbers down to your people and create an organizational structure or a you know a who does what in the company kind of bubble structure, but based on the numbers. Right. So no longer am I telling my project manager to produce more work quicker, regardless of whether I'm saying we need to produce a thousand labor hours per week. And because we had bad weather, we need to make up for 200 of it on Saturday. And this is how we're going to do it with X amount of people. Or we are shy hourly production per, per week because we're missing two bodies. and need to now hire three because it's been long enough that we need to make up for lost space. They can actually take that on. Right. You can do the same in sales. You can actually do the same in administration, actually, as well. And when you're able to give your people the number and say, your goal is to go hit these numbers, my goal is to just help you. You change from being people's boss to being people's coach. And in today's labor market, and even just in the way we work in business, that's a much more palatable way to work with people. And I think that's a massive game changer. So. Uh, I don't know if you want me to keep going into the systems realm, but it, we definitely will take this and bring it down to the people in
1: power. Well, them. if we keep going the route you're going, Martha's going to bite my head off because that is exactly <laughs> down her domain path, right? Uh, I I could literally watch her heart eyes start when you said you're converting from boss to coach. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit more, more about systems. And I feel like if you're a listener and you're like, this all seems really foreign, like BTA seems really hard to access. I I think Danny has some great free resources that he'd be happy to share with us, but I'd love for you to just kind of start from a non-BTA members perspective. So let's talk to the guy who's doing under a million and he's Mm -hmm. like still in a truck or she, not being sexist, they are still in a truck, they're still managing people, they're still really struggling with turnover. Um, They're working in the business more than working on the business. What's step one for them for systematizing?
0: Get a CRM system or project management software and get QuickBooks and make sure the two talk to each other. Make sure you're not doing manual entry back and forth. And start to have what is normally done in paper done on the cloud. Because you're going to enable so you're going to unlock a massive amount of potential in doing that. Um, when it's all just you and your your own sketchbooks and your own quoting papers and nothing's tracked, you're you're not building an asset at all. You have no long-term leads lists, you have no, uh, or or leads nurture. Um, You have no data to make great decisions from. You have no ability for people in the field to all communicate simultaneously, no matter where they are. The, The ability that technology brings to our industry is literally the thing that has unlocked us to be able to scale, right? 30, 40 years ago, contracting was a very different world. It's because of some of these technologies that have been introduced to our marketplace that have transitioned us to being you know, owner operators to building quite large organizations and they're very cheap. Sometimes we'll scoff at the idea of spending a hundred, $200 a month on a piece of software. You don't even want to know how much we spend, right? We're in the almost 10,000 a month range right now. And we're happy to do it because the amount that we would pay people to do that would be much more, right? It's, it's like one tenth of the equation for the value that's driven. So I think one of the lowest hanging fruits is, is look at the software or technology that's available in your industry. You don't have to go nuts with it. Sometimes people get software overload where then you do everything and just get lost in a sea of software. Just pick a project management software and a, say, QuickBooks. I always think QuickBooks is the best, but like, you know, there's FreshBooks, a few other ones. Make sure they talk to each other. Make sure they're integrated properly. And don't just assume because it says on its website that they're integrated. Like actually look into what the integrations are because they, they're different. Um, and start to learn them. Start to learn how they work and what, what's involved in them.
1: Oh my gosh. So Michelle would be like drooling and geeking out over that response because I I sometimes tease her because I feel like every week she asks our guests, what's your favorite CRM? And I'm like, dude, come with a new question. Why are you always asking? She's like, because they're different industries and it's important and it's relevant. And like, it is a massive pain point that she sees in her business because Michelle's business is she'll like, automate your back office, right? And she'll bring it all in house and and she'll do it all virtually. She gets them off the paper, out of the truck very early. She did Pink Colors does an exceptional job of this. Um and she works in a lot of CRM. So I I get it now. So I have to ask you, I know Danny, you're helping you're helping painters, you're helping roofers, you're helping electricians, you're helping plumbers, you're helping window cleaners. Uh, I know that you are across many industries, but do you have a favorite CRM that you have seen over the years that have come out that that really is saving time and saving manpower like you just described pretty well and i guess if you have to give more than one go ahead and yeah. qualify based on industry
0: if, if for the world of generalists jobber is probably the best you know, Jobber it, is it, it fits a lot you're of Canadian? different markets. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I found that they fit, fit a lot of different markets. They started out with a fairly basic software, but over the last couple of years, they've really innovated on what is still starting out to be basic. So you can actually out of the box get rolling, but you can really start to advance with Jobber long term. Um, so that's what for the generalist, for like a little bit of all the markets that we work with that are smaller average job size, that's the one I probably like the most. Okay, Um, pause pause for
1: commercial break. So Jobber is hosting uh, Fight Club for Business in Las Vegas in the month of November. We are having a really fun evening and happy hour hosted by Jobber. Thank you, Jobber. We love you. Um, And you can come check out Fight Club for Business live with a secret guest that we have not yet announced. That's on November 14th in Las Vegas. And we are picking back (laughs) on the ARCSE ISSA convention. So uh, we love Jobber. Uh, Personally, I'm a Jobber user. And uh, this is our free commercial to jobber. Um, for
0: <laughs> yeah. that November
1: event. Yeah, there, jobber. Okay. Sorry, get Keep going job Nimbus. I think you were headed that direction.
0: Yeah. The other one would be job Nimbus. And I, I usually would recommend that more for me sized job science companies. So companies that are booking jobs that are five to say 50 million kind of, or five to 50,000. So when you're doing that kind of size of a job, it has a quoting system, a bit of a bid process. There's a bit of almost like a folder system that you might already organically do with physical folders where you're moving it down the job line. It does it digitally and creates automations that kick off when you move it from folder to folder. And um, it's fairly intuitive and it's fairly customizable. And I think they've done a great job. They've, They've built originally for roofing, but they're starting to expand into painting and landscaping and other industries. I think they've done a pretty good job of making it simple and yet customizable. So awesome.
1: Okay, I feel like I have done a good service to Michelle, Kay, and Martha. Do you agree? Did I miss anything? Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to say one more thing Martha. if you want. Oh, please, yes. One more of idea
0: one more thought. In this idea of building systems, right? Everyone's like, okay, yeah, i got to build the systems. Got to build the systems, and then they just get slammed with work, and they just keep talking about it or listening to the podcast, and yeah, and then my truck, like, I should probably go do that tomorrow, and it never happens, right? So. One thing I highly recommend everybody listening is like, if you actually want to implement systems, realize, a this isn't a Tuesday afternoon thing, you can quickly get a demo done and you're you're good. This is like a multiple year long endeavor of slow improvement, right? This is like going to the gym. There's two different people who go to the gym. There's the one that you see once and he picks up the biggest weight he possibly can. And he pulls it back out and never comes back. And then there's the other one who like slowly, methodically builds himself out or herself out, right? So. It's realizing building systems is a slow, methodical, consistency process. And until you carve out time to make that a part of your life, not just a cool idea when you had some space in the off season, that's, like, that's when rubber hits the road, right? So one thing I always tell people to do, make a list of everything you do in a week, right? Circle the stuff that's highest time consumption, but yet lowest skill. And these are the items that need to be delegated or brought off your plate to be able to give you the space to do this. Um, and sometimes that's crew moves, sometimes that's, you know, whatever it is, you know, dealing with, you know, picking up the check at the end of the job or start to think through how can I either delegate this down to my existing team or if there's enough of a commonality amongst these tasks, tasks, actually hire somebody so I can amplify my worth and ability. Or like we just talked about with CRM system, systems, what technology can this be automated from? Because sometimes we do stuff that we've just done for years that the system could do automatically. So anyway, final thought on that. I I
1: feel like I have to end with Michelle's favorite thing and it totally ties into that. And she says, when you find, and I'm gonna, I'm taking notes, so I'm not like multitasking. I'm taking notes for our uh, show notes, but I will add that in. Uh, I love that. So we're doing a time audit of our week. We're noting what is taking the most time consumption. What is the lowest value that could be pushed down? And Michelle would say, at that point, you have to either automate it, delegate it, or delete it. Those are basically yeah, your three. You Once know. you raise the awareness of where you're spending your time, she wants you to automate it, delegate it, or delete it. Absolutely easier said than done. But hopefully, as a listener, you found some inspiration from this. And the first step is doing that time audit and raising your awareness of how you're spending your time as an owner. So thank you, Danny, very much for talking to us about finances and systems. We're going to pass it to Martha, and she's going to talk to you all about people.
3: All right.
2: All right. Now, Danny, correct me if I'm wrong. You mainly work with larger companies. Is that right?
0: Yeah, usually like one to twenty million, one to fifteen million. I think a lot right. of our guys are girls are in the three to five million dollar range, I would say. So, but um yeah, when people start to hit a million, it's kind of when we start to really be effective and be worthwhile.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh side note, that's why I want you to come to quality driven because I think There's people that are in uh, people that are 1 million plus and in the maid service industry, they don't feel like they can find a coach that is right for them. So uh, I, and I love, I, well, quality driven works with all types of service businesses. So I have always loved people that work with all different types of service industries because I feel like we get boxed in our, and we learn from the same people and hear the same things. So anyway, that's totally a side note. And what I started with that for is when people are a million plus, what people problems could they possibly have? And I say that, I say that uh, facetiously, but uh, give it to us. Like, what do you see with these businesses that, you know, in theory should have it nailed down?
0: So, if people listening will probably acknowledge almost like easier in somebody else that they've observed, but think about this those are listening. Have you ever had a really good technician who's really good at what they do? And you get super excited and you're like, I'm going to promote you to run the team now and be a leader. And then they suck.
2: Mm-hmm. And you're just
0: like, but you were so good. How did you? It's because they're different skills, right? They're, they're different attributes than that either exist or don't exist within people. And the same is true for entrepreneurs, right? What started in the business that made you successful, which was that hustle, that grind, that ability to creatively problem solve through things, all this. And it's usually pretty like shoot from the hip, you know, Way of being no longer helps you at that next stage and so when you start to transition to leading your people and you're just still coming at it from like i'll be in the field with you and i'll be i'll prove i'll do this by example and there's, there's some merit to that but if that's all it ever is your people aren't going to be able to follow you even if they wanted to right there's there's different leadership right like when i think about you know i call it like say the brave braveheart level of leadership. It's very inspiring, it's, it gets you out of your seat and it gets you moving. And that's usually for a lot of these entrepreneurs in the beginning, that's how they lead. And a lot of people will follow them as a result. But when you get to the next stage, it's like, how do you have that Elon Musk level of leadership where you've got an automated process that is well thought through and every detail is thought to be able to bring people from A to B and create success. Because I'll tell you a lot of employees want and need stability. And if they don't feel stability in their day-to-day job, paychecks are coming in a little different every two weeks. You know, things are a little bit chaotic. They have to wait for you in the morning. Stuff's not there. That frustrates somebody to no end, right? And in today's labor market, people have options. So why are they going to stay with you if you become an unorganized mess? And that's where I see a lot of people, they get, they get a little hurt. So they're like, I'm going to expand. And then it all falls apart on them. And then they backtrack and they're like, eh, this expanding is not really for me. I just, it doesn't work. It's because you never transitioned your ability or your level of leadership. You just transitioned the variables around you, if that kind of makes sense.
2: Yes. Yes. I I remember Megan talking about um, the various things that she had to do. She and Jeff had to do around people. And I mean, you have systems around getting your people part of your business in order. Um, Just briefly, can you touch on some of those systems that you all work on?
0: So we we were talking about the
2: employment agreement. Uh, Oh, we're we're
0: going to get there. Don't worry. It's a a, a major part of all this. But let's start with that work structure I just spoke about, right? We kind of figure out who's going to deliver on what. Sales need to hit. What's their closing ratio? What does production need to hit? What's their hours produced ratio? You know, what is need to hit and what's their you know, AR collected, or you know, everybody should have a number that they're in charge of. Bake that number into the employment agreement. There you go, Megan. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's job should pertain to a number they need to achieve. So just like we've gamified this for the owner, the owner needs to gamify this for the employee, right? And so the employee knows if I hit these metrics in these key areas that I have direct control over, I'll have not only done my job, but maybe there's even a bonus incentive or a, a profit sharing or whatever it would be to be able you know, share in the resources that we've all put in, right? So I, I hear employees without that be like, what's the point of doing more? Like, it's not like I get paid more, right? And so you change that equation a bit and you say, hey, you're in charge of this quality, volume, and profit metric. And by hitting these, you have done your job and there is a compensation factor associated with that. And that is objectivity because... When it's just like you should work harder, I need you to do more, be nicer to the customer. That's just your opinion versus theirs. Like I'm nice to the customer, I do work harder Why are you bothering me? No, your your quality rating is at an eight out of ten right now, and goal is to get it at nine out of ten, and it's based on these four customers. What do you think you did on those sites that caused that to be slightly lower? Now they're answering the questions, right? Versus, or sorry, they're they're kind of coming to it with, for you versus you going into it or going to it for them. If I how do I describe this properly? If you're constantly balling people around and they don't understand why, it's a problem. If they're seeing that their number is lower than what they signed on in their employment agreement, they're gonna come to you because they wanna hit their year-end bonuses and they're gonna want your leadership and advice. And you change the equation a bit. So employment agreements, very important, but have deliverables in them. And then I think from there, your ability as a leader to get people across the line. Right, So there's a couple of components to that. One is your training program. So everything that is in your employment agreement should be mirrored in training program. So if you're gonna say you're accountable to achieving these things and here's the stuff you're in charge of, each bullet point in your employment agreement that lists that stuff should have a training module in the, in the, pro, in the program or in the, in the company itself. Because without that, you're kind of saying, well, you should kind of know these seven things and these seven things we'll show you, but these seven things we haven't really built anything around and good luck. And it leads to animosity and you know problems, right? Because everybody comes in with different skills in different areas and without a program that's fully robust to train someone in all those areas, you're leaving things up to chance. And I will say this too, the more robust your training program is, the more accepting you can be in your recruiting process, right? I'm a big believer of hire for personality, don't hire for skill because you can train skill you can't train personality and i would much rather have a robust training process that covers the gamut on skill and bring in someone with excellent personality traits
2: i've never heard it put in those terms but i love that i love i love the more robust your training program is the more accepting you can be when you hire. That wasn't your words exactly, but uh, yeah, I love that. And I am I used to think that I could interview, drill down and hire the perfect person. and then I discovered that really, no matter what I did, that didn't always work and so the training program was where i could either move them from where they started to where i needed them to be or the training program would show that they're not going to get there too so yeah i love that i love that okay well tay um do you want to
3: start us off with homework Absolutely. I love to. So Danny, every week we give our listeners some homework. So you're more than welcome to jump on at the end as we go around and assign some homework for yourself and our listeners and what we do re- just request of everyone is please do not do all four to five pieces of homework we're about to give you, please just pick one that's going to move the needle forward in your business this week. And we do have a, um, a private group that you can join for accountability and questions to help you execute those goals. So any questions that you may have, you can feel free to join that group and even share about how you went about achieving these goals for the week. So. For marketing i want you to think about danny's fish analogy and fishing analogy i should say and what he discussed is you know what are the traits of the fish slash clients we're trying to attract where do they hang out what type of lure are we using to bring them in and what type of system is there to capture them is it a line is it a net you know what type of way are we going about that so that really allows you to take a step back from I'm going to spend this money this type of money on marketing and allows you to create a game plan prior to that and who you're actually going to attack in that process and reach out to so i want you to just take those steps back in marketing this week and really focus on that customer avatar Um, there's great worksheets out there that you can download and implement from different uh, companies like hubspot and things of that sort so definitely think about your customer avatar for your marketing homework this week
1: awesome And as Tay said, we are going to dump a bunch of homework at you every week. But what we feel like makes our podcast different than other podcasts is We don't want you to be consuming information. We don't want you to be constantly learning. We want you to be implementers. We want you to be doers. We want you to take action and actually change your business. Because if you were to do one homework assignment every week that you listen to our show, you will have a better business in a month. You will have a better business in a week. You will have a better business in a year. Um, And we are 72 episodes in, guys. So there is a lot of opportunity to grow. Um, So your finance homework this week, if, I mean, I love the fishing thing. I mean, it's so Canadian. Sorry, Danny. very stereotypical. But I love the. A fishing analogy. So maybe marketing is where you need to focus your energy and you need to define those four steps for your marketing strategy. Or maybe money. Maybe you're really hurting about money. So a couple of weeks ago, I assigned a budget and that's a big homework assignment to do a budget in a week. Um, so this week, I'm hoping that you did your homework and I'm going to ask you to put some words in that budget. I'm going to ask you to put some notes in that budget. I'm going to ask you to revisit that budget and making a living document. Danny had some great strategies about starting with the end in mind, right? Stephen Covey. He said, let's start with net profit profit and let's work backwards. But beyond that, let's add some, let's add a story to those numbers. Let's make those numbers come to life. So that is your finance homework for this week. Um systems homework is if you do not have a CRM yet, you should check out a CRM. And Danny threw out two generalists. uh he said Jobber is a great um, CRM. Personally, I use it in my window cleaning company, so I, we love Jobber. Um, or if you're doing higher average tickets, if you're one of our listeners who has bigger tickets, and uh, check out Job Nimbus. It was designed in roofing, but it's actually broken out into other markets. So if you don't have a CRM yet, your systems homework this week is to check one out. And the two that we're recommending this week are Jobber or Job Nimbus. All
2: right. Um, okay. So for people homework, then. I love the attaching a number to every job role. So for example, my field manager had numbers for client uh, retention and she had numbers for employee retention. My, My office manager, which was my primary sales person, had a sales conversion percentage to hit and a couple of other numbers. And then of course my field staff has a production number and a quality score that they have to hit. So those are some examples. Your homework is going to be for every job role, what are the numbers attached? And I, you know, I have done it kind of, you um, not on purpose in my business, but hearing Danny say that, you know that every job role should have a number attached is brilliant. So that's your homework. And Danny, if you want to give homework, you can, but you don't have to.
0: Sure. We have conveniently created 10 mini sessions with downloadable resources and a walkthrough manual and a template for you to build out your own stuff. So we've got everything from how to build out your ideal candidate for recruitment, interview guide, training, checklist, strategic planning um, format, how to pick your tech stack, interview setup calls, employment agreements, budgeting sheet, reclaim five hours a week to create some time for yourself, or how to build compensation incentive packages. So they're all done and they're all free. Um, there's a link, there we go, that's there. And it's uh, btacademy.com backslash contractor quick tools. Pick one of those. Don't pick all ten. You're going to get overwhelmed. Just pick one, and have at it. It'll have a little walkthrough video for you. It'll have an instruction manual. It'll have an example file of something complete and a template where you can build your own process. So that should get you rolling.
1: Great, awesome. And if people want to get a hold of you, Danny, what's the best way to do
0: that? Um, I guess a website post. Btacademy.com. So go check us out. You can read a bit about what we do and how we do it. And uh, if you're curious, you just fire off the site and we'll take it from there.
3: Awesome.
1: All right. Uh, I'm gonna... I, I did pull a quote, uh, trying to be Michelle here. Uh, <laughs> are we ready for the quote? Did I, what did we, do? we are. Did we yep. Think? Yep. Okay. Ready for the All quote. Right. So this week's quote inspired by Mr. Danny Kerr. Uh, the, this is Peter Diamandis. The day before something is a breakthrough. It's a crazy idea and with that we're wishing everybody a wonderful week and uh we'll be here next week next tuesday 7 am pacific 10 am eastern and martha what do we say at the end of every show go fight <laughs> thanks danny
2: thanks, bye, guys. Nice. All
1: right. bye guys bye
0: connect with fight club for business join our facebook group where we have weekly homework accountabilities and an awesome community to help you fight for your business Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business.
2: Fight, Fight Club for Business.